Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. Well, I want to tell you without a doubt, this is just not a filler Sunday with pastor being gone. God has an experience for you that's transformational that is not only going to bless you, but be missional. How many of you are ready for God to do something in you, through you, and for you to give you purpose for what you have ahead of you? Can I hear you right now? Let me tell you my heart. Pastor George and a group of men are on a missions trip rocking the world, and we're so thankful for that. But don't you feel like you're sitting on a bench today because God has a mission for you, and we're going to go to it. I uh, I had a privilege of having a friend of mine who knew the pianist of Billy Graham, and he had a conversation with Billy Graham's pianist. And he asked Billy Graham's pianist, Why Billy? Billy wasn't the greatest preacher. His content wasn't that dynamic. But God used him to reach so many souls. Why Billy? And Billy's pianist told my friend, I'll tell you why, Billy. Because God found a man he could trust. Somebody say, wow. And I think we're kind of coming to the realization that Maybe in George Sawyer, God's found a man that he can trust and he wants to use him globally like on missions trips as well as here in Decatur. And aren't you thankful that we have such a leader that God is using around the world? Give the Lord a hand right now for how much his wife and Phyllis mean to us. But you have a mission too. You may not be in the D- Dominican Republic, but you have a mission to a culture that's lost its way. How many of you would admit with me that you live in a culture that's lost its way? Do you sometimes wonder what you have to give? Well, let me tell you what you have to give. And my whole teaching is going to come back to this point I'm making right now. You are on a mission to bring two things to your culture that's lost its way. Number one... Your personal, genuine story, your testimony, your story. I want to ask you something right now. Are you comfortable in sharing the story of the grace of God that's come into your life? If not, get with it. Your culture is crying for you to articulate your story of God's goodness. Number one. Number two. Your culture is crying for you to be able to explain the best you can your own genuine, personal, spiritual experiences. How many of you can say without any reservation that you were one way before Christ, but you had an encounter that was genuine with Jesus and you were born again and now your life is different? If you're here right now, I want to see where you are. How many of you in this room has been been in the very invisible throne room of God and the presence of the living God in your encounter with Him was the most fulfilling thing that you've ever experienced on this planet. Can I see where you are? 
The second mission that you have is to take to your world not only your story, but a clear and confident statement of genuine, meaningful experiences that you've had in walking with Jesus. And that's all I want to do. I just want to have a fresh experience with the Lord right now. Can we just do that right now? And I don't want to tell you what to do. But let's just have a little fun right now. If you're saved and born again and filled with the Holy Spirit and you've been in the throne room like Nicole was singing about, would you just stand with me right now, whether you feel God or not? And would you just give the living God, the invisible God, praise and worship? Come on, give him a hand. Somebody give him a hallelujah. Somebody say thank you for washing my sins away. Somebody give him praise for washing away the junk in your life. Is it real? Is it genuine? Is it your story? Is it your story? Two things your culture needs. Your story and your experience. Your story... And your genuine spiritual experiences. You may be seated and let's get into the word. Father, in the name of Jesus. This is your moment. The membrane between where we are in Decatur and around the world. And your throne room is very thin. The membrane between us and your throne room is thin. We pray that it would be totally open. So there will be an open heaven between the invisible and the physical right here. Father, I pray in the next few minutes we'll be honest, we'll be genuine, and you'll speak to us and help us in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone shout, bring it on. Do you ever turn on your television and kind of... Put that expression on your face. Did I just hear that? And ask yourself this question. How did we get to crazy? Now, is it just me? Or or, do do you ask yourself this question? How in the world did we get to Crazyville? Crazyville. Today, I'm going to take you on a journey on how we got to crazy. And I'm going to share with you your mission in a world that's trying to assimilate and find its way through, say it. Everybody say it. Crazy. Say it twice as loud. How did we get to crazy? Now, I want to ask you something. What's the craziest thing that you've seen in the last two years? What's, what's like, like, what was crazy in your mind? Maybe different from mine. Uh, for me, when I heard that in San Francisco, you could go into a drugstore and shoplift just so you stayed underneath $900. Somebody shout. Uh, maybe that's not the craziest thing. What about you? What have you thought was the craziest thing that's going on? Uh, maybe what happened Friday is the craziest of it all. 
the winner of the women's division in the Ivy League of the 200-meter freestyle was a transgender lady who was a guy. So in other words, a guy just won the ladies' 200 freestyle Ivy League championship in record-breaking time. Somebody say it. You know, but but it's crazy. How did we get to crazy? What do we need to do as people in the midst of crazy? I read once that the first duty of rational men is to reestablish what is apparent, what is norm. We got to be bold enough. To say what is obvious. Some things are just obvious. Some things are just obvious. I think the craziest thing that I've run across was a couple, three years ago. uh, There was an ordinance on the West Coast where you could not clean up dried brush and debris from your backyard. And they were having terrible neighborhood fires. And they were were fighting, if, if you had a home, the ordinance to clean the dry brush because... In that little brush in your backyard of old limbs was the habitat for a beetle. And the protection of that beetle habitat was more important than people's life savings in their home. So the Christian worldview would say, the earth is the Lord's. I'm a steward of his creation. I've been given dominion Over the earth, I'm going to clean the debris up from my backyard. And I'm going to tell Mr. Beetle, you're valuable, but you're going to live out there in the woods. But everybody doesn't see the world that way. So the reason why you think the world is crazy, some other people think it's crazy, when they think about you as a spirit-filled believer. Other people said, no, the beetle is valuable. We think the beetle's valuable because God created the beetle. But other people says, no, the beetle is valuable, not because God created it. But that beetle, just like you as a human, is the lottery winner of evolution. All the comments and everything that's happened through history, somehow that beetle was able to win all the cosmic storms and still survive evolution just like you. So because that little beetle is the lottery winner of evolution, you need to protect that lottery winner because you're the same as it. You're just a human. It's a beetle. You're on the same level. That's the evolutionist. Then there's another group That says, no, you protect the beetle and you can't clean up the brush in your backyard to keep your house from burning down and your neighbor's house from burning down. Because that beetle is not a product of evolution, nor a product of creation from the God of the Bible. That beetle is your (laughs) great-grandmother. Reincarnated in some spiritual eastern concept of religion. I want to tell you, we are in crazy because we have three different worldviews clashing with each other. And you need to understand that. Three. Many times, not 20, not 13, three. Now, 
within those three, you can stack all kinds of stuff. But hear me. This is going to be a unique message. Some of you may want to say, I don't know. Because this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be part social studies teacher, part Christian philosopher, part spirit-filled preacher, and part John the Baptist crying in the wilderness. And none of those are fun to listen to. So this isn't a typical Holy Ghost type, powerful Jesse Duplantis. This, this is, this is, How to get through crazy. Are you ready to get through crazy? So there's not 20 worldviews you got to understand. There's three basic views of reality that everybody you ever meet will have. And so we're doing life. And sometimes as we do life, we kind of get hit in the face of crazy waves like on the ocean. Sometimes it's a tsunami of crazy that comes at us. How many of you have ever been splashed with crazy waves? And so what we do, we, we get in these arguments about surface things that's on the top level of this, 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 that. And we're having these fights about current events and issues on these waves when really the waves and the tsunami takes place because of the movement. Everybody say movement. Of the tectonic plates at the bottom of the ocean. If you're ever at the beach and you're, you're looking and you see this huge wave coming at you about 30 stories. And you see it's a tsunami. And you say, come on kids, let's get the ice cooler and get somewhere else. That wave did not come from the ocean. The top of it. It came because something shifted on the floor of the ocean. And that is what is happening in our culture. Shift one, shift two, shift three. And we're dealing with these crazies up here. But God help us in the body of Christ to be firmly planted on a sure foundation. So that when the tsunamis and the waves and the ripples are hitting everybody else, we know where we stand. Jesus Christ, the true cornerstone, the rock of the ages, the infallible word of God. Come on, somebody. We are standing on solid ground. C.S. Lewis said it this way. He said, if two people view the world completely different, they're both going to act differently. And one is going to act differently from how the universe really is. So the real story of crazy in America and in your life is what is reality? What is real? And I want to ask you right now to learn these three shifts. I want you to not only know Jesus, but I want you to be very good at articulating Christian worldview. Then I'll share these other two views. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to say the same thing over and over and over for the next 20 minutes. Many times you hear a preacher and you go, I don't like that preacher. He just says the same thing over and over and over. Because I want you to learn these three plates, these three worldviews. And when your kids have something, I want you to go, oh, that's coming from here. When you're challenged with something in culture, go, oh, that's coming from here. 
And I want you, after this message, to be so motivated to know what it means to walk through life as a, as a believer and as a biblical Christian. It gives you confidence, hallelujah, to walk and stand for the Lord. Well, let me tell you, let's talk about Christian worldview a little bit. There's no verse in the Bible that I've ever found that tells us what it means to be a Christian better than Hebrews chapter 1. And before I go to Hebrews chapter 1, I want to tell you the most important worldview is this one. It's the one we absorb without even knowing we did. Now, that's a powerful line. The most important worldview is the one you absorb and you really didn't even know you were absorbing it. You can absorb views of reality that is not biblically based, that is not Christian in its origin. There's only three. So if you can learn all three worldviews, then you really have some direction to go forward. But let's talk about the Christian worldview. What does it mean to be a Christian? Big picture, big picture. It means that you believe there is a personal and, and a, an omnipotent, creative God. How many believe that? Okay. He stands outside of the universe. He's bigger than the universe. He stands outside of time. And he created the heavens and the earth. How many believe that? Hebrews chapter 1 says that not only is God Almighty the creator and Almighty, he is personal in that he has chosen to speak to us. And in Hebrews chapter 1, he tells us three ways he speaks right here in the text. Number one, if you'll look over my shoulder, you will see that in, in years past, God spoke in various ways through the prophets. But in these last days, how has he spoken according to the text? Through his son. The personal God wants to tell you who he is and what he likes and what he loves. And he has done that through his son. You want God to speak to you? Get to know Jesus. Jesus says, I don't do anything the Father didn't tell me to do. I don't say anything that the Father uh, doesn't tell me to say. So the story of Jesus, the teaching of Jesus, the mission of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the nature of Jesus. Jesus speaks uh, to you the very heart of God. God speaks through the life of Jesus. Get into Jesus. Secondly, look what it says. Not only has he spoken through his son, but it says here, He has spoken and appointed heir of all things in whom he made the universe. This is big, very big for Christians. Not only has God spoken through his son, he has spoken to us through his created order, the earth, the universe, the sky, the earth, everything. The earth is is an extension of God's... He created it and He spoke to us about His design, His nature, His order, His beauty, His power. How many of you have ever been out with your family and you saw a sunset or or you saw a lake and you just go, or a mountain, and you go, oh, there is a God in heaven. That's what God meant for you to do with creation. So he speaks to you through the natural. Everybody say natural. 
physical, say physical, order. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. But it also says one more thing. Here, feel, look, there's one more way God has spoken. Spoken through his powerful word. So this personal God does not want you to be confused about your journey on the planet. He wants you to have a personal relationship with him. And he wants you to to be able to commune with him through his son, through the created order, and through his word. And by doing that, guess what? You're moving in reality. That's pretty much Christian worldview. There's three parts to Christian worldview. Creation, the fall, and redemption. Live there with your marriage. God created us. Let's, my family, let's, let's live as God intended us to be created, but we're fallen. Every one of us in this family's fallen. Let's learn to live with our fallenness. You ever have to deal with your spouse's fallenness? Come on, help me out, right? But here's the beauty of the cross. There's redemption and forgiveness by the power of the blood of Jesus. Somebody get excited right now. We have the message of all messages. Next few moments, I want to take you through a little historical journey of how we got to crazy. I think the next 10 minutes is going to be very, very important to the rest of your life. So God, going back in history, did something very powerful. He created the earth, but he loved you so much that God became flesh and dwelt among us. There was a manger. He came into his own, and his own received him not. What did we do to him? We put him on a cross. We crucified him. His, his body was put in a tomb. His spirit left, came back into the body again, and in a body, he went back to heaven. The body's important. Your body is valuable. And so we have, with Jesus coming to the planet, hear what I'm about to say. God kissed history with Bethlehem. God's had a time and a place and a location, and he came down and landed his son right there so that we would know that history and location and the natural order is not some mystical dream. It is the creation of God, and all the earth as it is is valuable to Almighty God. Now, let's follow this timeline that's up here. If you'll look at this real quickly. So Jesus came. The early church exploded. The politicians of Rome were so corrupt as pedophiles that Rome crumbled. Notice that this line says lower story down here or modernism. Above that line says upper story or postmodernism. Don't let me lose you. There's only three worldviews. Only three. Only three. The Christian worldview says that the God of heaven is the same God of earth. The invisible God is the one that made the material world. The word lower story, I want you to stay with me. It's called many things, and I'll talk about it in the next few minutes. Upper story 
Oh, what are we talking about? The lower story is talking about people who believe the only thing that there is is what's on the earth. Nothing invisible, nothing spiritual, nothing supernatural. They are people who only live in the physical realm. They would probably, you would refer to them as evolutionist or atheist. Have you ever met anyone that believed there was no God and nothing invisible? That's called lower story. When I'm talking about only the natural earth is real. Upper story are the group of people who believe, no, this earth is not even real. It's some invisible reality. Maybe the New Agers, the Eastern religion group of people, or the young men and women that's been convinced the earth is nothing but one big video game that somebody's playing somewhere, and we're all members of that video game. This isn't real. It. But notice what happened. Christianity moved out of the fall of Rome. And if you know what happened, this is the social studies part that I told you you weren't going to like. What happened after the fall of Rome? Culture went into what is called the dark ages. The Catholic Church did the best it could, but it had its problems. And culture had its problems. There was... There was all kinds of dysfunction, Uh, tribalism. Uh, It it was a time when culture was very, very dark, so much they called it the Dark Ages. But something happened in 1517. In 1517, though he wasn't perfect, nor the people around him were they perfect, and they didn't have it all figured out. God let Martin Luther come up with this revelation. Sola Scriptura. Sola Scriptura. Do you know what Sola Scriptura means? Sola. Only. Singly. Just it. Scriptura. The Word. And instead of authority and reality being found by the dictates of a mad king, or by anyone else, or by preachers or the church... Sola Scriptura meant the Word of God was the sole source of a picture to reality and understanding about what the universe is like. The Word of God is the sole source of authority and truth. You know what happened to culture when that began to be the, the plate at the bottom of the ocean where most people begin to, th- to think. The heavens. What does the Bible say about, about the highest of heavens, Brother Tony? The highest of heavens is the Lord's and the earth below. And when people started looking into the Word of God, they realized that there is a King eternal, immortal, invisible. You can't see Him, but He's still real. How many of you know that God is invisible, but He's still real? The Bible said he's real. He's invisible, but he's real. There's an invisible realm out there. The Holy Spirit, you can't see, but how many of you know the person of the Holy Spirit is real? But also the earth is the Lord's in the fullness thereof. So notice what happened. Christians, with the Bible as their source of reality, begin to say, there's an invisible realm that's real, and the physical realm is beloved by God. And what happened 
in education and arts and the disciplines of studies, culture exploded. Men and women got their microscopes and their telescopes and their textbooks and their math equations. And you know what they began to do? They began to study. They began to write classical music that gave religious music that gave glory and honor to the Lord. The hallelujah course, Galileo and to the stars, the microscopes. And humankind exploded because the driving force of education was this. Hear what I'm about to say. God's the creator. There's a rational, intelligent mind between everything in the natural world. And if you learn something about biology or chemistry or math or calculus, it's just a revelation of his genius and its glory, his omnipotence, his power and his design. And science exploded and music exploded and the arts exploded and Judeo-Christian values, moralities exploded with the Ten Commandments as the driving foundation of culture was that the Bible is true and And it is the window to authority and reality. Somebody praise God with me right now. Now listen to me. But there was sin during that time. Yes. Because the world's still fallen. There was abuse during those years when America was formed. Yes. Because men are fallen and away from God and away from Jesus. I need some amens in the house right now. But yet the blessings on this nation that we've enjoyed for 200 years came out of that era. And right now, all we have is a few echoes, echoes, echoes of when the majority of people believed that the Word of God was true. Stay with me. You want to know how to deal with crazy? Crazy just didn't come here from nothing. Something drove us to crazy, Bill. So there was a shift under the ocean. Tectonic shift. It was a Christian worldview. But then we shifted to Darwinism. Evolution. Other names for it is rationalism. It's not rational, but it was people who got rid of God. 1859, Darwin published his Survival of the Species. It was a journey on how there is no God and we just all cry, crawled out of a pond as lizards. Man doesn't have a soul, doesn't have a spirit. There is no invisible God. And guess where we went? We went from this realm where our culture and believers were living in the throne room, in the invisible realm, and then transporting it and translated it into the real earth. To totally leaving the invisible realm in our culture at all. Darwin and, and the, the intellectual says God is dead. In fact, in 1966 on April 8th, it came on my coffee table. It might have came on yours if you were around. Time magazine published an issue and on the cover it had this, it had this question. Is God dead? Almost 50 years ago. And they had liberal theologians talking about how the word of God is not true. And it was almost like America, thinking-wise, had left 
God, prayers out of school, and it was moving us to the lower story and the lower story from all these enlightenment and all these philosophers. There is no God. And the only thing there is that's real is the natural order, the physical, the material, the concrete. There is no invisible realm. And that was our culture for a while. Your body is nothing more. There's no spirit. There's not even a soul in the lower story. If you're an atheist, if you're an evolutionist, the word modernist, modernity was used because they said from this mythological Christian stuff, we've come into a modern area. And, and the modern, when we say the word modern, we think of something that's current. But in, in terms of philosophy and, and human thought, it was that era, modern, when the only thing that was viable was something that could pass the scientific method. It had to be measured it had to be tested. It had to be repeated. It had to be proven in the, in the lab. And if it was not proven in the lab, it was outdated. It was called modernity or modernism. It was a time in America's history. And you felt it when you were a little kid in school. Prayer went out of school. The invisible left. And we were, we were forced with secularism. A world where there's nothing real but just what's on the planet. And if... If that's true, if that's reality, oh, there's major complications. Because that means your body is nothing more but a machine of evolution. No spirit, no eternity, there is no God, there is no consequence, there's no judgment. So where did it take humanity to this place? Your body's just a machine, electromagnetic impulses, that's all you are. There's only two reasons to live if you live in a lower story. What is it? To have pleasure and to avoid pain. There's no eternity. You're looking for meaning. And there's no God. There's no judgment. There's no eternity. There's no invisible. It's just a body. Then there's only two things to do with your body. Have as much Get as much, drink as much. The lower story is the origin of the hookup culture. Hugh Hefner's mentality thrived that opened up. If your body is just some physical machine and there's no soul and there's no heart, and your emotions is just superficial. Go out and hook up with anybody you want to as much as you can and have it because that's all there is. And then when you're hurting so bad that you can't live, then just medicate yourself till you can't even. Because that's all there is. But we didn't stay in the lower story very long in our culture. If you're with me, say, I'm still there, Pastor. I want to tell you why didn't, we didn't stay there very long. Because if you believe 
that there is no God and your body is nothing but a physical machine, then your life has absolutely no meaning. None. I was walking down the sidewalk uh, at a in uh, uh, Lake Shores, and early that morning I went to breakfast, you know, at a Hampton Inn or whatever it was, Hilton, I think. And I saw this long-haired guy, a little bit older than me, with a, co- a coffee, and he had a great big old thick book. And I don't know if, if you remember the last sermon I preached, but every morning I pray, Lord, make me a miracle delivery agent. And this great big old thick book just jumped out at me. And oh, I just saw this great big old... So later on in the afternoon, no conductor, I'm going down the sidewalk, and this man's coming with his girlfriend. And I walk by, and I, says, and I smiled at him. I said, how's the professor and the scholar doing? Opened up a whole conversation. And he said, well, I am a professor. I, I teach social studies at a university. And he said, what are you doing here? And I said, well, I'm at a deeper life retreat. We started talking about deeper life. Here's a man that's a lower story professor. You know what he told me? He said, at this stage in my life, I'm really into psychedelics. Well, why not? If you believe you're nothing but a a product of evolution and there is no eternity and you're 68 years old and life has no meaning and there's a chemical journey to something that will light you up and turn you on and make it a little bit more spectacular, why not move to psychedelics? Ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you, we in the body of Christ, we, as Nicole said, spend time in the throne room. We need to get firmly planted on this planet and let this world know there's something more than some drug escape. There's something more than just some hookup with somebody you don't know. We've got an opportunity to live in the course of the Lord and the fullness of walk with Him. Come on, somebody. We're the ones that have it all. He said, he's in psychedelics. I said, well, let me tell you what I'm into. I'm into the person of the Holy Spirit. But let me tell you, it didn't last long there because it was totally meaningless. The people that know about the future of the earth, listen to this. They know it's meaningless because in the future, the sun's going to run out of energy. And so this is how they... You go watch a video by Sam Harris, the leading Billy Graham, so to speak, of atheists. Let him tell you about the meaning of life. And he will tell you there is no meaning. The leading atheist speaker. Because the sun's going to burn out. This is what he said. You may do something. Your kids may talk about you. And your grandkids may talk about you. But your great, 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 great kids don't even know you're here. So really, all you do is meaningless. All you built is meaningless. Calvary is meaningless. Your family is meaningless. Your legacy is meaningless because the sun's going to burn this up and it's all going to be gone and it's all for naught. And I want to tell you, the world got so burned out on living as a machine with meaninglessness, it left the lower story. And we moved to the upper story. What's the upper story? You need to know. What's postmodernism beyond the modernistic way of thinking? Postmodernism. Lower story. The only thing that there is, there it is, is this earth. The upper story says, since the lower story is meaningless, 
do whatever you want to do to find meaning. Your experience and meaning for you is all that matters. You need to lean in what I'm saying right now because you turn on your TV and you see crazy after crazy because the new philosophy of the day is not evolution. It's postmodernism. Everybody gets to create their own reality. Everybody gets to create their own truth. Everybody's experience is all that matters. Are you with me? The guy that said, I don't want to be a guy anymore. I'm going to transition into a woman and beat all the girls in the Ivy League 200 freestyle swimming event. He wasn't in facts. It wasn't the facts of his biology. It wasn't the facts of his chromosomes, his DNA. He got to do that because for him, his truth, his meaningful experience was for him to transition out of being what his body says he was. Christians let the body speak. Our bodies tell us who we are, created as God intended us to create it. Postmodernism says your body is devalued. It doesn't even get to tell you what gender you are. You get to move into your own reality because meaningfulness is so important to you. You get to create your own gender. You get to create your own reality. You get to create your own, your own world, your own truth. And all the dads that paid zillions of dollars for their daughters to win the swim meet are freaking out. Because the fact is, their girl's got a body without the testosterone driving through it like that guy did. And after all these swim meets and all these swim lessons, some guy says, Hey, I want to be a girl. And he wins the gold medal. Why? Somebody shout, that's crazy. Now let me tell you what. The lore story is the hookup culture. The upper story is the trans culture. Why do we let people loot and not say a thing about it? For one reason, the leaders of that city says their story gives them a right to be able to look. And here's what I'm saying. All the way across the board, we deal with little waves. But what's really happening is there's shifts of how people view reality. Christian worldview, evolutionist worldview, and now something that's totally nuts. Postmodern, another term for it, deconstruction, upper story worldview, where everybody gets to create their own reality. Your truth, my truth, her truth, their truth. You ever heard anybody say your truth? You ever hear anybody say my truth is? Have you ever heard anybody say my truth is? Where's that? What about just truth? What well, truth is not obvious. 
Christians live in both of these realms. At least these people down here dealt with facts. The scientists has to, they were wanting facts. They just didn't have any meaning behind the facts. The people up there have meaning. Their facts are fuzzy. Their facts doesn't matter. They have values, but their values is built on their own wants and desires. So here's where we are at crazy. If you have seven and a half billion people leave Christianity on the planet, spend some time here in evolutionism, rationalism, materialism, modernism. It's so meaningless. I feel like a machine. That culture moves up to postmodernism where whatever you want to do just so it's meaningful for you and it works for you and it's a fit for you and it makes you feel fulfilled. And ever, listen to me, all seven and a half billion people get to create their own reality and their own truth. Ten commandments out the door. Laws of the land out the door. What does that do to culture? If everybody gets to create their own reality according to what's meaningful to them and their own story, what does that do to culture? Somebody shout it. It's crazy. And you'll end up in crazy bit. That's where you are. But you have a mission. Remember what your mission is? Remember what your mission was? Don't you go to sleep on me now. What did I tell you your mission was at the beginning of this message? Two things. What was it? You got it. What is it one more time? Your story of God and your personal, genuine, spiritual experiences that's been transformational. Why is your story in a postmodern day your assignment to go to your culture that's lost its way because they're all up there looking for meaning and and real experience you can go buy the millennial monopoly game and they don't do business with real estate did you know that go buy the millennial monopoly game has nothing to do with buying real estate economics investments it's all about experiences. Pull a card. You get to have coffee with a friend. Go get one. I got one. Because the culture left capitalism for some experience. Do you know where that tells us? It takes us to the last slide. Here's our mission. Every word that Adrian said was prepped what I just shared with you, if you could remember what he said. The verse Tony read about the highest heavens. Remember the highest heavens, Tony? All the way down to the, the earth is the Lord's. Prophetic prep. We hadn't taught, he had no idea what I was going to say. Nicole's song about being in your presence. Come on, church, get with me right now. Being in your presence. For, for you to sing over me. For me to be near you is the romance of my life. Somebody get with me right now. 
Let me tell you where our world is and you're on assignment. You are people who know throne room, the upper story, the invisible God. How many of you have ever been in the throne room of the living God and in His presence there was fullness of joy and meaning and completeness and hope? Come on, give the Lord a shout and a praise right now. You've been in the presence of the invisible living God. Your mission is to not make fun of everybody living in Crazyville and put them down. Your mission is get under an open heaven, get into the throne room, get full of meaning and purpose, have spiritual experiences that are based on the Word of God, get your story well crafted, and go to a hungry culture and say, what you're looking for, I have it all. Not only do I have meaning, but my feet are grounded on the earth, and the earth is created by my Father. Let me tell you all about Him. That is your mission. But if you're not in the throne room, you'll never have anything to give. This culture is crying out for meaning. Ladies and gentlemen, that is how we got to crazy. Now, if I was you, I'd ask right now, what's next? What's next? It's going to get so crazy. With everybody getting to have their own reality, their own meaning, their own morality, their own virtues, their own truth. Just like in China, I had a very educated man from Georgia Tech go over to China. And I says, why in the world did they put that guy in for life? Chi, why did they put him in for life? He says, because there's so many of them there, they needed to give one man authority to take care of them all. To have enough power to keep it from going crazy. Here's what I think is going to happen. We're going to have this postmodern, upper story, everybody be their own reality, their own truth, create their own morality, until it's just, just going to be crazy, crazy 2.0, 3.0. And then we're going to move into what I call a techno-utopia, where through technology, power brokers will try to pull the craziness into some type of global unity and we will think this is our answer for a while and then the techno-utopia will fall apart and then the antichrist, the spirit of lawlessness will come in and say, let me bring peace to the uh, creation and not long after that, Jesus is going to come back to earth. The rapture may have already happened, but he's going to come back and he's going to fix up this crazy once and for all. Somebody give God praise right now. <laughs> praise the Lord. Now, this is not a typical sermon. I knew it wouldn't be. But how many of you are going to walk out of here understanding all the waves at the surface? All calls because something's shifting down here. Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. If you're here right now and you say, hey, sir, Mr. Danny, sometimes I wonder about the meaning of my life. I've done well, I've done okay. I've had a lot of fun. But when you talk about meaning, 
I don't know that I've really found it. Well, let me tell you, God created you for a specific purpose, for His glory and for His pleasure. And if you're here right now, and you can honestly say, ah, I've been doing pretty much whatever I want to do, but I have not been living for His glory and got a lot of stuff, got a lot of friends, but I don't have a lot of meaning. Maybe there's a genuine experience that you really need that you've missed. This is what I'm about to tell you. I know of men and women all over the world who had no spiritual hunger, none. But they got to this point where they had no meaning and they prayed a sincere sinner's prayer. And when they prayed that prayer, the Holy Spirit brought Christ into their heart. And the Bible says in theological terms, they were regenerated. What does that mean? Their spirit man who was asleep and in a coma came alive. Are you spiritually alive? When you become spiritually alive, you find meaning. If you're here right now and you say, Sir, Pastor Danny, uh, I don't have that meaning, but I want it. And I'm not, I'm not, I haven't had that experience of being born again. And maybe I had a real sincere prayer, but I walked away from it. And when I walked away from it, I'm, I'm, I have meaningless again. If that's you and you're humble enough to say, I want to get back to Christ. I want to, I want to meet Christ in a meaningful way. I'm going to ask you to humble yourself right where you are. I just want you to raise your hand to heaven right now. One, two, three. Just raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Hands are going up all over this place. Now I want everyone else that's here. I want everybody to stand all over this house. Stand all over this house. We probably had about eight hands that's raised. And those people that's raised their hands are surveying you. Because they're saying, I wonder if that Phyllis Sawyer really is the real deal. And I want every one of you to pray, not with me, but after me, this prayer of salvation. But I don't want you to just pray it. I want you to pray it. You don't have to scream. But I want you to say it so that those eight people that raised their hand will know that when you said it for the first time and Christ came in and changed you, that it was real and it was transformational. It made all the difference in your life. I want you to pray it, to echo to them that they're finding the greatest thing in all the world. Would you do that with me? Would you do that? Y'all ready? Are you ready? Here we go. Turn the hands. Turn your hands to heaven if you're comfortable. Pray this not with me, but after me. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for creating a beautiful world. It's fallen in so many ways. But you love this world so much. You love me so dearly that you sent your son to this world to forgive the world so we could be saved. Jesus, come into my life. I welcome you. Jesus, teach me about the Father. Lead me into reality. Bring meaningfulness 
into my life. Wash away my sins. Let me be born again. In Jesus' name, I'm forgiven. I'm free. I have purpose. I have meaning. Give the Lord a shout and a praise now. Hallelujah. It's awesome. It's awesome. He's awesome. He's glorious. He's glorious. Somebody help me praise Him in the house. Bethlehem, an old rugged cross, an empty tomb, a resurrection. Somebody give Him praise in the house right now. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.